This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into another edition of the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. It is August 22nd, and we are we are nearly there. Football season is just around the corner. Um, high school season will get underway in Texas this week. Brian, how's how's everything going? And um, you know what what's new? Oh, it's good. Uh, football, I guess high school football sort of started. Been scrimmages the last two weeks. We're down to, yep. I believe today was twelve days because we had put up the twelfth man on the uh, on the countdown to A and M season. Uh, missed you guys last week. I know Tarp uh, Tarp was in for me, and I think he might be joining you again. So. Um, so yeah, man, good to be, uh, good to be back on the podcast this week. So just, yeah. uh, ready, ready for some football. Absolutely. And programming though, we will have tarp coming up later this week. Um, gave a great rundown on the, the offensive side of the ball last week. And I would encourage you to check that out on the, on the Spotify channel. And we'll have him on this week again to look at the defensive side of the ball. And it was a big weekend for Texas A&M. First off, congratulations to, uh, Sam Bennett, um, who took home the U.S. Amateur title on Sunday afternoon. And just in, you know, he had to run through five of the top 30 players in the country um, in the rankings um, and basically never trailed throughout match play. And I know, Brian, you watched too. And it was just really impressive to just see, you know, I mean, he 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 just looked so in control at 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 so many times and you know had to fend off some rallies at times but man when he needed a putt or he needed a big drive like it was there every single time yeah he looked left for dead on saturday if any of you guys uh yeah listening were watching on saturday it was incredible hole 17 uh the match was tied and he's in the rough behind a tree like no you know with no shot anywhere and the other guys in the fairway and and they not only did he not lose the hole, he won that hole, and then went on to to tie the the 18th to take the match. So yeah, he was clutch. I think they said he only trailed for two holes the entire week, which in five matches is uh, an incredible number. So yeah, uh, he was really good. And um, you know, A and M's just got to hope now he doesn't just decide. Oh, you know, I joked with you like maybe I don't have to stay for another <laughs> another season. You know, maybe we could go pro right now, but. Uh, yeah, it was just yeah, a I, dominant performance. Yeah, I checked that one off my bucket list. That was one of the things he came back to, you know, said he had. She checked one of them off. So yeah, let's 
you know, for A&M's sake, hopefully he stays for a senior year. Because I think, and, you know, you mentioned that 17th hole. I thought that was hilarious when, you know, he was behind the tree and just said, I'm just going to hit it hard and hope I kind of get lucky wherever I hit, <laughs> wherever I hit it. That seemed like a great line on the on the 17th hole. But, you know, it 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 didn't look good at that point. And he hadn't been playing well the last couple of holes before that. To, but, to, you know, be able to stabilize, hits a nice drive down the 18th and, and you know, is able to close it out. So, Really impressive, and you know he's going to be fun to watch this season. You know, I know A&M's got big goals as well, and and he's going to be a big part of that. Um, you mentioned, you know, scrimmages have been kind of going on. I know you and I have both been out at a couple scrimmages and checking out a lot of the A&M commits. Um, going back uh, now, two weeks ago, you had the chance to see Dalton Brooks, who, uh, as we've mentioned on the podcast before, is a very quiet kid doesn't do a whole lot of interviews and uh you know i know this was this was kind of our first chance to get eyes on him uh in person what what was your impression getting to see him and 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 talking with him yeah so we had seen him at camp before but he just uh yeah. worked out a running back that was before his junior year he worked out a running back yeah. which he's going to play safety at a&m so you know it wasn't the same thing so it's good to drive down there you never know with scrimmages though especially when it's not the one the week before it's two weeks before uh the season you know i had to call yeah. and, and check with his coach hey is he is he actually going to be playing some he, oh yeah you know just real quick answer and uh he never except for when the the backups were out there he never left the field on offense or defense so um a lot of fun to watch it's really not fair you know he's playing in 2a ball they had a 3a opponent in uh, tide haven which uh you know shout out to tide haven if anybody hears from el matone wherever that is, I think it's like near near Victoria, but uh, yeah. that that was a really good team, really good defense. But he's just fun to watch because it's not fair. You can't bring him down on offense. He had an interception on defense. Other than that, they really stayed away from him. But uh, you know, just you know, seeks out the ball, really flies to it. He played free safety and strong safety. Uh, said he's gonna gonna do both at A and M. A and M said, you know, he he said as long as he just gets to hit people, that's all he wants. So. You know, he's and he'll he'll get that opportunity for sure in the SEC. Uh, you know, he has the ability to get uh, pretty big with his frame in a good way, not in a bad way. Um, so, you know, I think he's a guy you're going to want hitting people. So it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and yeah, good, uh, good interview afterwards. Great interview if you get him. And it's not that he's, uh, you know, he's not a diva or anything. He's just quiet, no, small time. Quiet. Kid. A&M yeah. has, has quite a few of those, you know, the, the quieter personalities in this class. It's not like... Uh, last year with the Bobby Taylors and stuff. Now, you know, they do, they do their recruiting and, you know, behind the scenes and stuff, but, and, you know, Colton Thomason is, you know, pretty vocal, but, you know, it's not quite the same, not quite the same as last year, but a uh, great kid, great player, solid day in him. Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned one of those, I, I had the chance to see Javon Thomas. I wasn't quite as fortunate. Um, the day I went out to stock was a veterans kind of day off where, where a lot of the, the you know Javon Thomas and Malik Muhammad and, and that's and like a, that's like guys. NFL just, NFL camps where, yeah they gotta you know, they, the I think just get to sit like <laughs> Sox and South Oak Cliffs on a state championship they're like now nah, we're uh, we're in the league now yeah no totally understandable and I think you know it's different than when I was in school but you know we used to have two days and nobody maybe the kicker every once in a while would get to would get to chill but yeah there was no sitting out of practice no doubt they we I kind of talked to him and I asked him I said you know you guys getting back to practice later this week he said yeah today was just kind of a maintenance day where we you know just got <laughs> to kind of kind of hang out for a day and they were around the drills and all that but um 
you know, so I, I, you, you mentioned, I, I thought about that when, when we were talking about the scrimmages, but talking with Javon Thomas too, you know, he, he kind of mentioned the same stuff about how, um, you know, he's, he's been doing a lot of recruiting behind the scenes. And another guy that when you go out and see him in person, very talkative, um, gives great answers, a lot of fun to talk to, doesn't do a ton of, you know, interviews, you know, unless you go see him in person. And so, um, it was good to catch up with him. And he mentioned he's, he's really been working as a recruiter as well with, Javian Taviano and Peyton Bowen and, um, you know, Bravian Rogers working to get him back in the fold and talking with him still. And, uh, you know, I think you and I have both heard that, you know, the indications are that, you know, A&M is still very much in the mix there to get him back in the fold. So yeah. he's still working on him. And, you know, another guy that's going to be really interesting to watch and uh, might play a lot, a lot of running back this season, you know, talking with him about, goals for the season he said he was looking to have, have a thousand yard season and he's played running back in the past so um gonna be interesting to watch him on that side of the ball and um i think sock might have a couple guys going back and forth i know malik muhammad might play a little receiver at times and um you know it's it those two you, it's it's still a really really good start to the backfield with having dalton brooks and and javon thomas kind of anchoring the the beginning part of that secondary yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, I think Bravion Rogers, great chance of him ending up back. Uh, Dalton Brooks, that was a, you know, a couple of names you mentioned. Obviously, you know, Shiner isn't terribly far from LaGrange and those two know each other well. So he's recruiting mm-hmm. him, but he definitely mentioned Peyton Bowen. Seems like everybody. He's one of those guys, you know, I think Colton Thomason keeps having those graphics made for him with, uh, you know, specific guys in A&M uniforms. And, uh, you know, Peyton Bowen is one he's posted about a lot, too. So bunch of guys in his ear and I think Payne Bowen's now a composite five-star and you know he's committed Notre Dame but A&M you know is in for a kid committed to another school they're in basically as good a shape they could uh, hope to be in at this point so uh, so but and yeah and those you know it's not just a guy that they're bothering you know it's not like Javon's just cold calling him you know they're they're close to him you know they've gotten to know him at you know through different recruiting events so um, and obviously he's open and, and gets along well with those guys. So it's always a good thing for A&M. No doubt. And and you mentioned Babe Mode. A&M's just continuing to plug away there. And, you know, Notre Dame's, you know, obviously still working to get to keep him in the fold. And, um, you know, o- Oklahoma's in there as well. And it seems to kind of be those three schools is kind of the ones to, to kind of watch for Peyton Bowen. So A&M has really been working hard behind the scenes on that one. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's still very much has a chance of flipping him. It's just one of those things behind the scenes, like you said. Uh, Peyton Bowen, one of the things he's always appreciated about A&M is there doesn't seem to be like a, a huge amount of pressure on him. They're not bothering him constantly to, to flip him. They're just staying in communication and continuing to stay in contact. And um, that's one of the things he's, he's mentioned he's really liked. Um, sticking, on the recruiting tra- uh, sticking on the recruiting trail, um, you also had the chance to see Samu. Um, this past week, what were your impressions getting to see him? And I know he's, you didn't want to, you didn't want to take a shot at the at the last name. You know, I. <laughs> so he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily. He doesn't like. He's he's a little uh, you know quieter too, and you know I think he'll get yeah. more comfortable with interviews throughout what's going on. But he didn't necessarily want to do a video on. But I did have him at least to me say his name, and I was saying it relatively correctly because a lot of times with the Polynesian names you just really pronounce every syllable yeah and that's how it is there were some i'm not going to get it right when i say it now because there were some accents like your different different stress syllables but uh it was yeah samu, samu Taumanu pepe 
Now you say it quicker and there's some different ones stressed, good. but yeah, but you end up saying it, but yeah, I was wondering when you said his first name and I was like, I, <laughs> I you know, looked down you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah. People on the board don't even, it's just, it's hard to spell too. So he's pretty much just known <laughs> as, as Samu now. Nobody really, I mean, there's only one <laughs> Samu committed, only one, I think in the, you know, that's a recruit. So it's easy. So you just say that, but yeah, I was just, I just want to see how you were going to do it. I, uh, I looked at it. Yeah. Samu Taumano Pepe. There we go. Yeah. I, I kind of had it typed down here and, you know, kind of look at it. It's a bit of a tongue, you know, it, it, it trips you up at times. So no, for uh, sure. But I mean, so at least it, it makes it. sense from the spelling. I'm going to say something that some people, if you haven't been, or if you weren't maybe around me or if it, cause we didn't have podcasts back then. So nobody really heard our yeah. voices. So you, this is way before your time, but there was a linebacker from Laporte, a five-star kid that he gets brought up on the board all the time because he never ended up qualifying. He was an A&M commit. They had to cut him loose because he wasn't going to qualify. He didn't end up even graduating from Laporte. But his name, last name was Scott, but first name was H-O-Z-A. You may have even seen that. And most people would now probably even still just say Jose Scott. It wasn't. I mean, below some of your minds, but it was pronounced Jose. So that was Jose Scott. And you know, as I know when some people found out, they're like, well, I have been saying that wrong in my head the entire time. And maybe maybe I got a few of you right now. But so now it's the legend of Jose Scott, not not Jose Scott. But yeah, Samu Tamano Pepe is pretty straightforward, I guess. Yeah, that that once once you say it enough times, just got to stand in front of the mirror. Right. And just continue to say yeah. it and say it and, say it, and nail it at one point. Um, what what do you think getting to see him in action? And, um, you know, I know. He's, he's kind of a guy that, that that's lost a lot of weight and so um, you know and gotten gotten better playing shape. What would you kind of think getting to see him? All right, so Samu's still a big dude. I mean, it's 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 weird yeah. to say like he's trimmed down and say he's at three eighty. You know, he told us that yeah. you know three eighty is what he's at now, and that's what it looks like. Uh, you know, six three, uh, but he played he played last year at you know well over four hundred pounds, and his film last year is impressive. So being down to three eighty, he should have more stamina now. But he's also not a guy that's going to play you know fifteen plays in a row on a long drive. Um, as a yeah. pure nose, obviously at that size, he's a nose guard. He's going to play uh, right over you know zero tech or or just shaded in a one tech. But what it, what he's going to be asked to do is take up blockers. You know, he's going to, you know, double teams, things like that, hold up two guys. Because if you hold up your guy and even another guy, that means a linebacker is free to make plays. So noses, even like, you know, going back to the NFL, like Tony Saragusa and guys like that, they don't put up stats. It just, you just don't. It's not like noses get a ton of sacks or anything. So, you know, watching him in his scrimmage, you saw him at the Houston Touch on Club Banquet two weeks ago and then watch him in his scrimmage this past uh, Friday. Um, you know, he's not a, he didn't fill the stat sheet, but what he did, he really did. He held up. I mean, the Woodlands has an offensive line that has four guys with, uh, with D one offers, uh, you know, good offensive line, big kids and, you know, but he did a good job, the center and the guard, seemingly every play, he would just take them on. And that would, uh, that would, uh, allow the linebackers to make plays, a lot of defensive ends to make plays. So, I mean, he did what's asked of him and, uh, you know, his, his stamina is better. He still didn't play a ton of plays in a row. Um, but yeah. I, you know, you still keep working, you know, he probably won't see the field for a little while. You keep working with him on that, but I can see what A&M liked in him because big kid, athletic kid for his size, really strong. You know, it's, uh, A&M doesn't really have that nose guard on, uh, on campus right now. I mean, a guy like Walter Nolan is listed at 310, I think, but 
I mean, if he's 310, yeah. he could play at 370 if he wanted to because, I mean, he looks right skinny still. So, uh, you know, just totally different player. And, like, even when you're counting numbers for the class, I mean, he's not a guy that's going to play the same position as anybody else that they're recruiting. You know, they had some guys like, you know, Xavier McLeod and, and some others, you know, but it's been, you know, once they took him, that was it at the position. So he doesn't really affect the numbers any other way. And, yeah, he's a guy that – you know, the ceiling's going to be interesting. People, it's not, if nobody should be compared to Jordan Davis. I mean, Jordan, yeah, he was a three-star yeah. in high school as well. But, I mean, that, you just don't see that guy like him come along. But, I mean, it's A&M wants that kind of player, you know, a guy that can really make an impact when he's been in there and just throw things, you know, be a disruptor. No doubt. Eat up blocks and, and free up free up guys for – or free up holes for the for the linebackers and, and, and other guys. Um <laughs> You know, looking at sticking on the recruiting trail again, uh, looking at this season, obviously you mentioned it starts on Thursday night. Um, who are some guys in this class right now that you're you're looking forward to seeing? Is there a guy that you're keeping a close eye on that you're you're particularly intrigued to see? I know I've got one in particular, but want to get your take if, if there's any you you kind of are keeping a close eye on. Well, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot and say this class because one on. guy I yeah well I I knew yeah. the question was coming. But uh, one guy, you know, I'm actually going to go a class forward. One guy that yeah, I've been uh, wanting to see is Ashton Funk, you know, the junior offensive yep. tackle from uh, from Katie Tompkins, because he's another guy that, you know, opinions, everybody thinks he's really good and he's got an impressive offer list, but just sort of how good he is and how high he should be ranked is sort of uh, a little all over the place. But the first week, uh, Katie Tompkins is playing uh, Cy Ranch. And that's, uh, you know, Ashton Porter, a four-star uh, Northwestern defensive end commit. So it'll be Ashton against Ashton in that game. And, you know, Ashton Porter's a really good player. Uh, big kid, strong kid, but also uh, quick. So I think uh, I'm really, you know, I'm going to try and make it out to that game because um, I, I believe it's on Thursday night. So uh, Ashton Funk's a, a guy I really want to see because he's he's from an Aggie family too. He's got a really impressive offer list, but, you know, always sort of growing up you know, dreaming of playing for A&M. That doesn't mean he's a, a lock or anything, but A&M is in really good shape there. So, yeah, he's the the main one in Texas I want to see. I want to see, you know, David Hicks now that he's uh, back in Houston, five-star at uh, at Katie Pato. Now I'm just looking through the list. And I think you're going to get to see him. I'm curious about, you know, T.J. Shanahan with a, with a year in Westlake system. Last year he showed up about this time, I mean, right before the season. So he was sort of just thrown in there, and they said, hey, block – Lock the dude who's standing in front of you. So I'm curious how he looks now, especially when everybody knows who he is. He's lost some of the other D1 linemen on the team. So, I mean, he's the guy on that line. So I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to see him hopefully on Friday night, um, you know, starting out the week, going to Denton Ryan on Thursday night. And obviously, anytime you get to see Anthony Hill, it's it's a lot of fun. And so uh, we'll have a lot. We'll have a lot on that. The other guy I'm I'm really interested to see is uh, is Michael Uini and and just uh, you know I've got him kind of looking at the schedule. I've got him, um, you know, in late September, um, and looking at and looking at that game and really looking forward to seeing him in kind of game action um, and see see how he how he kind of looks in pass protection and and all that. You know, we got to see him a little bit in the camps, um, but looking forward to seeing him and then. Um, Derek McFall as well is going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, just to see how Tyler Tyler uses him as a running back, as a wide receiver, and and just all the ways he can kind of impact the game. You know, just just watching him in practice, you can tell 
you know, his athleticism was was effortless and, and just, you know, all the ways he could he could kind of come out of the backfield and make plays. And then, you know, in the class, I'm 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 also really looking forward to, to Colton Thomason. You know, he's making that move out to tackle. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we've mentioned it before. And it's, that's a huge development for A&M. And so, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how how the move out to tackle goes for him. I think it's going to go well. I, you know, I think he's he's going to have a chance to be really good there. But um if you you're know, if, really if, if anybody's in san antonio there's a triple header at the alamo dome saturday yep. and they're uh smithson valley's playing and judson's playing and so you can see some a&m targets with uh you know colton thomason and freddie debose at smithson valley you can see johnny bowens at judson anthony evans at judson so just a little plug there anybody three three football games in one day on opening weekend you know so if you happen to be there and- go get out to the alamo dome no doubt. And if you're in the, the you know, the DFW area, um, South Oak Cliff Duncanville is going to be a really good one on, on Saturday night as well. So that's going to be, I've got South Oak Cliff and DeSoto on the schedule for, for a couple of weeks from now, and that's going to be a really good one as well. Um, but, you know, going to be a lot of really good games to, to kind of keep an eye on. Those are a couple of guys that, you know, I'm really looking forward to kind of getting out and seeing, and, um, you know, we'll have plenty more obviously on Thursday night from, with with Anthony Hill kicking off his season, um, and then Friday night heading down to to see Austin Westlake and see TJ Shanahan and and kind of catch up with him. So, uh, you know, the A and M football season is also right around the corner. But as Brian mentioned, season is just twelve days away. If you listen to this on on the podcast on Monday, um, and and so we'll break down you know some season expectations, best case scenario, worst case scenario coming up right after the quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Gigam 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Brian Peroni. Brian, um, you know, we're kind of hitting the point in the season now. The polls are out. A&M come, came in at number six in the AP poll um, for the preseason. Um, predictions, everybody's kind of getting their predictions uh, out the way now. And I know we, we did one earlier this summer as well. Um, we'll start on a we'll start on a positive note with the with the A and M side. What's your best case scenario for A and M? If everything goes right this season, what do you think is kind of the best case scenario for them? I mean, A and M's ranked number six for a reason. Um, so yeah. everything goes right means whichever quarterback uh, wins the job is really good, as we expected. The offensive line, the offensive line holds up, and the you know the newcomers do well. And there is actually a downfield passing game this year, which outside of Alabama last year, we didn't see. Uh, so if that happens, I mean, A&M is ranked number six because they're good. And the only team ahead of them in the rankings that they play is uh, Alabama, who comes in number one. 
It's in uh, Tuscaloosa, but you know, AM won last year. AM has won there before. Now it's been exactly exactly 10 years as you know, Johnny Menzel led him to a win in, in Brian Denny at as a uh, as a redshirt freshman in 2012. But they've won there before. So it's you know, it's not like that's an, just an impossible task. So I mean, best case is, you know, for the regular season 12 and 0, and then they go and play probably Georgia in the in the SEC championship game and stay hot. I mean, if they've if they've run through the schedule twelve and zero, then they're going to have a very you know legit shot of knocking off Georgia, who I believe is number three in the the preseason rankings and you know the reigning national champion. So, yeah, best case, I mean, it's probably a year ahead of schedule. You know what people would think, but I mean, best case would be bringing yeah. on the national title. I don't want people to run with this and say, hey, you know, Peroni picked it, picked Danem to win. I mean, a lot of things would have to have to go right and a lot of pieces right. fall in place. But, you know, a lot of people do open a season with, like, legitimately, I mean, if you're honest with it, no shot of, you know, even, you know, no shot of, of winning it, of winning out and, and taking the title. But uh, a and m does uh, have that this year, at least a shot. No doubt. And you mentioned, you know, if if, if everything goes right, I think it, an undefeated season is – is is certainly attainable uh, at least 12 and 0 in the in the regular season and and you mentioned i mean they went nine and one in an all acc schedule just two years ago i know the last season people you know tend to kind of look at that and, and mention that when it comes to a m but two years ago the only team they lost to was alabama in tuscaloosa and so you know is it is it is it certainly possible if things were to go right Certainly. And, and, you know, you mentioned, I think, I think the offensive side of the ball is, is really where I think, I, I think there's, there's plenty to be excited about on the defense side of the ball. The question is, is A&M going to get enough offensively to, on a consistent mm-hmm. basis to be able to, to be able to uh, run through an SEC West schedule. And um, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking at as well. I think best case scenario is probably 12 and 0 as well. And um uh, you know, looking at looking at that Alabama game, if you look after that game, there's some tough games in there, but A&M's probably going to be favored in, in most of them, um, provided everything's going right at that point. So, uh, you know, for me, that's I'm, – I'm kind of with you there. And um, on the defense side of the ball, I think they've got, obviously, a ton of depth on the defensive line, a ton of depth in the secondary. And, you know, if they can get – get enough play at the linebacker spot with Edrin Cooper obviously there and somebody else to kind of step in with him. I think the defense is going to be really, really good. And, um, you know, and then, and then obviously to look at the other side, what, what do you think is kind of the, the, the floor the worst case scenario for A&M? And, and this is where people, you know. Yeah. Both my quotes from the last play. answer and this answer are just going to be like, you know, whatever, just quoted. Spliced out together, of context. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're, so this is where that stretch, you've talked about it a lot. You know, there's the stretch. It's a whole month. So A&M yeah. is at home against Miami, which Miami is it's, – it's a good team. People are not talking about them enough. A&M will be favored, but Miami is a good team. They're at home against Miami on September 17th. They do not play at home again until October 29th, and that's against Ole Miss. So that stretch, that's it's Arkansas at AT&T um, Stadium – which, I mean, after seeing last year, you know, Arkansas beat AM for the first time in SEC play last year. Um, you know, that's a, a tough contest. And then you've got at Mississippi State, then at Alabama, and then a week off and at South Carolina. Now, AM has never lost to South Carolina in the SEC, but they're, you know, they got Spencer Rattler there. They're supposed to be, uh, they're supposed to be, you know, 
much improved. You know, they're getting some votes in the, the preseason poll. So, I mean, that stretch of four games, you know, Mississippi State, I no matter yeah. who the coach is at A&M, Mike Leach has always sort of given A&M fits and, you know, sort of proved that last year. So all four of those games are tough. And then it's not like the around it is that easy because you got Miami before it. And then afterwards, Florida, and then, uh, I mean, Ole Miss and Florida after it. So, I mean, it's that just the sandwich in the middle. That's Yes, that's a a tough schedule. Now, I mean, the teams may not be ranked incredibly high outside of Miami, and then I would expect Ole Miss to probably be ranked. Um, But, I mean, let's say you lose, you know, the Miami game or lose the Arkansas game. You know, that's when – you know, you're like, oh, oh, now we got three games in a row on the road and, you know, things just sort of, uh, you know, in your mind, you know, you could lose three out of those four games. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but, you know, if we're just talking about realistic, you know, that could happen and you do that and it just sort of sets off the, you know, sort of just like a avalanche down the hill of just, you know, almost like self-fulfilling prophecies. If you think, oh, we're, you know, maybe we're not as good as we thought. So, I mean, Seven and five, eight and four. I don't think that'll happen, but yeah. it's a it's a possibility. I mean, it's it's a tough schedule. I don't. I I I I think so too. And you know, yeah, I got this idea. Listen, watching Josh Payton, hat tip to him. He did this last night with a lot of teams, and he kind of had worst case scenarios as seven and five as well. And I think that would obviously be a massive disappointment. Uh, you know, considering a lot of things went wrong last year, A&M still won eight games. And so, yeah. you know, you lose your starting quarterback, you lose, lose a ton of guys along the offensive line. And so, you know, eight and four for me would kind of be the worst case scenario, just because I think A&M is more talented the, this year than they were last year. Um, they're in a better spot at the quarterback position with Max Johnson and Haynes King there. And so, um you know, below that, I think would be would be a huge disappointment, and um, you know would would probably bring questions about you know changes needing to be made. Uh, you know, at 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 A and M under under Fisher, um, but I don't foresee that happening. I think eight and four is kind of the floor for this team. You mentioned that tough road stretch, and that's what kind of gets my eye as well in terms of you know if there was this part of the schedule that was going to trip A and M up, it's that it's that part right after Miami until they get back home where where the schedule is just really really tough but I think this team is is equipped to kind of handle that especially with the talent that they have on the defensive side of the ball I don't I don't see you know anything less than it kind of eight wins happening this season and 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 that being kind of the worst case scenario just because I think this team's more talented than than they were last year so um, what what concerns do you have other particular positions that you're kind of looking at with this team outside of maybe the schedule that that you feel like are going to be key if a if a and is going to step forward? Uh, wide receiver, quarterback, and wide receiver, quarterback yeah. obviously. Um, but receiver with uh, I mean, Anaya Smith has come back, Chase Lane's coming back, but I mean, last year there was I mean, I don't I'm not exaggerating when I just say no downfield pass game. There's really wasn't. I mean, it was just hey, you know, pick up a first down, pick up a first down. You need that deep play threat. And, okay, Evan Stewart's there. Evan Stewart's really good. He's a true freshman, though. We've never seen him, yeah. you know, on the field on Saturdays. Uh, Chris Marshall, true freshman. Noah Thomas, true freshman. All these guys are really good, but, you know, what happens? You know, I'll, we all expected Demond Demas to come in, you know, two years ago and have that same impact as a true freshman, and, and he didn't. You know, now there's more talk in camp about these three than there were about about him, but still, you know, that's uh, – that's probably the main one. Obviously, you know, all of them, 
you know, offensive line, no matter who you are, what year. I mean, AM's listed as like one of in the best shape among returning offensive linemen. And yet I don't think Aggie fans would tell you they were completely comfortable with the offensive line. So everybody's got issues there. But um, so, yeah, it's really the, the receivers. Will, will these young guys be able to step up, be able to hand, uh, handle, you know, how physical it is? I don't think, you know, you can really understand what it's like, how big the SEC corners and safeties are and how fast they are. So um, they're going to, you know, sort of baptism by fire. And, and I would say how those guys go will be possibly how the team goes. No doubt, and I, I think I'm with you. And then that'll allow other guys to kind of settle in. You know, obviously, Anaya Smith will allow you to kind of move him around and and use him as a weapon and, and Chase Lane as well. And so there are, you know, a couple of veterans you can rely on, but um, they do need a guy like Evan Stewart to step up in that receiver room and just give it more more explosiveness and more more ability to, to create big plays. And, um, you know, that's something we talked a lot with Tarp last week about is, you know, being able to have those quick strike 20, 30 yard plays to, to not have to string drives together yeah. and be able to put together an eight, nine play drive in order to score. You know, I think that's that's one of the biggest keys. And, and then for me, you know, just keeping an eye on the linebacker position, I think, you know, that's a room we've talked about that, you know, if injuries kind of hit that room, like they might need some young guys to step up. And so. And so those are the two. Um, and, you know, we've we've kind of hit on both ends of the extremes now. And, I, you know, we've given our predictions before. For me, I mean, this is a 10-win team. I think this is a team that that um, 10 wins is, is probably attainable as, a, as kind of the, the expectation to have. Um, that, that trip, as I've said before, that, that tough stretch in the middle of the season kind of concerns me. Um, and, I, and, you know, I, I, I think you, you could see A&M slip up in one of those games. But, you know, the Mississippi State game, you mentioned Mike Leach has always kind of given A&M problems regardless of who, who is there. So, uh, you know, I think I think ten wins, and and I think that would be that would be perfectly fine. I think as long as you get to double digit wins and can kind of you know take that next step and be in position to potentially be challenging for a college football playoff spot, I think a lot of A and M fans would be happy with that, and um, and you'd have a lot to build off going into next season. But um, you know, I think there's certainly a chance eleven and one, twelve and zero is is certainly um attainable if everything goes right and, and goes perfectly and uh what, where do you kind of see i know give give having given it early in the summer has it changed at all of 11 wins that you, that no, you i mean mentioned it, this i'm just man looking at the schedule just every time i stare at that that is man that's tough you know they did not do them any favors yeah you know you look at it, it's like three road games in a row is a whole lot and then you throw the bye week and then Arkansas, the neutral site game. I mean, that, that's yeah. like, that's crazy. So it's the more insane. that settles it's in, a- yeah, the more that settles in, the more I'm like, that's tough. Even I mean, Anum's going to, well, they should be favored in all of those games. They should be favored in every game but Alabama. Yeah. But I mean, who knows if, you know, if something goes wrong, one of those. So I'd say, yeah, 10 wins is probably a good, a good, yeah. Uh, and, I don't. It's this is one of those teams that you know could be twelve wins. It could be eight, and I, I don't. Eight. None of them would just shock me. Now I don't think it'll be eight, yeah. but it wouldn't. You know, looking just because of the schedule. If this was just a normal schedule like other years, you know, home, you know, you throw in your Vanderbilts, you know, when it's at Arkansas, you know, still down, and I'd say, yeah, you got time to you know breathe in between those, so they shouldn't lose them. But I honestly yeah. don't know. Um, 
Now, th- something we've talked about before, and we've been on the same page, but maybe things have changed. I'm going to put you on the spot. We didn't talk about this. So who trots out at quarterback for, uh, you know, for the opener against Sam Houston? Again, you know, we've talked, uh, you know, we've talked about this. We've had our predictions, but I don't yeah. know. Have things changed in your mind? Man, I think, you know, and I, I have to give him a lot of credit. I think, you know, the, the buzz that we've been hearing and, and uh, the performances that Haynes King has kind of, you know, had during fall camp, you know, talking with Tarp about, you know, what he's kind of heard on the, on the, on the, on the fall camp scrimmage side for me, I, I would tend to give him the edge. I would, would you kind of lean that way? I know we both kind yeah. of thought coming out of we the We both spring, were right, boy, Haynes Johnson, King. Please. Yeah, Haynes King for until the spring. They were like, okay, I think it's Max yeah. Johnson's job to lose. Yeah, I'd say Haynes King again. And I think he's sort yeah. of, you know, gone out and grabbed it. And the, his, you know, if all else is equal, he's got the legs. I mean, he's one of the fastest guys on yeah. the team. And, and that adds a completely different dimension to the offense. So, uh, so yeah, if I had to put a bet down, I would now say, King. I was King and then mm. Max Johnson in the spring just because, you know, all the quarterbacks sort of struggled, but I was like, he's got the experience. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm back in the back in the King camp. In now. The King. But you know what? And I'll give him a lot of credit too, regardless of how this, you know, quarterback position kind of shakes out over the next, you know, two weeks or so. Both guys have kind of responded to the challenge. This hasn't been a case where one guy's been playing badly or struggling and another guy's gone ahead and take that the competition has really been positive in that room specifically and Haynes King has had to go out and and really win this job you know I know he won it coming out of last last um last summer and you know if 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 he is the guy that he's he's definitely earned it and Max Johnson as well having to come in and compete both guys have really pushed each other and um you know kind of Wigman's in there as well and um you know there's a lot of optimism about the future but A&M's in a in a good spot having two guys that they can rely on that um as I mentioned I think really elevates the talent room and that quarterback neck at that quarterback position um yeah it's kind of gone back and forth and it's been a fun battle to kind of follow and um we'll see you know Jimbo Fisher could could opt not to even name a starter we you know we you and I have talked I mean, about that before so, talked about the somebody's line. got somebody's got to come trotting out there even if you don't name a starter so even if it's rotated series somebody has to come out for the first snap he's like Thomas and exactly there for one snap but <laughs> I guess I don't know why we're actually debating it because I don't think it's up to Fisher if I've learned anything this past week I think it's isn't it the alumni yep. and donors get to choose uh the right. quarterback, they, you know, they, no they matter who. Call. I don't know exactly for, what for happened in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly what happened here. in Austin, but, you know, there was the rumors that the team, or at least uh, Hudson Card, had been told <laughs> he was the man. I mean, it, multiple outlets yeah. reported that Hudson Card was starting QB. And then the next day, randomly, just in the middle of media session, like, Sark sends a, sends a text to the SID, says, no, no, Quinn Ewers is our starter, and just names him. Some yeah. weird timing. Now, I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was eight. No, yeah. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, if there's a conspiracy that I'm that I want to believe, it's that one. But I'll give you credit, though, because I, I, um, I was having some stuff done around the house last week, and, uh, you know, kind of saw your tweet come through of, was there an announcement made or yeah. something like that? <laughs> and that's where I actually – saw that that Ewers would be named the starting quarterback because it yeah, just my entire through, feed so, was know, all just about yeah, Quinn Ewers. Because just the day before Sark had said something about how, you know, he was gonna wait probably until after the scrimmage, the, you know, that he had his mind mostly made up but was gonna wait until after the scrimmage. And then like you mentioned, the next day all of a sudden the announcement gets made from the SID just kind of coming out during the players yeah. 
So I guess I guess the question is who do the big who do the big money eggs? Yeah, who do the big money eggs think is yeah, supposed to be a and start quarterback? Like, for, the, for those of you who, for those of you who are listening to this, <laughs> yeah. if you have somebody, yeah, just yeah, if you want to, yeah, let us know who, who you have chosen as you your starter quarterback. Starter. Yeah, um, but I think you know it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. We'll see. You know, if Fisher even wants to announce, it's always funny listening at the the press conferences when he, you know he's asked kind of when he has a timeline and all that, and he said whenever I'm ready to name a starting quarterback. I don't think he's in. in We've any been rush through this three or four, two or three times with them already. Yeah. So last time he picked a kind of a just a, a I think it was the Tuesday morning of the game week to kind of just say okay here we go and going to go ahead and with, with Kellamond over uh, with Kellamond over Nick Starko he never even announced it. It just I, we, I mean, we shared it, but he, uh, you know, it was just according to AM, it's just he tried it out for that first snap, and that's when people found <laughs> out officially. So, exactly. So, we'll see, we'll see how he, how he chooses to do this. You know, AM's had their last scrimmage this weekend, and so, um, you know, it, it could come at any point or he could wait in, into next week. You know, he's, he's kind of going to make it on, on his timeline, but, um, we will certainly have you guys covered on, on everything leading up to, to the season, it's it's right around the corner at this point. As I mentioned, we'll have um, TARP on later this week uh, as we kind of get into in-season mode. We'll be going to multiple podcasts per week, um, actually on Mondays and Wednesdays if you're watching this on YouTube and, um, you know, kind of talking recruiting, talking the, you know, the season and, and all that. So um, definitely make sure you hit the subscribe button on on YouTube um, to get the latest notifications every time a new video drops. Give us a five-star review on Spotify and iTunes um, to get the latest on on, any, on new podcasts there as well. Um, Brian, yeah, we're almost there. Next time we, we kind of talk, we'll we'll be into game week probably, and um, we'll be breaking down Fisher's first game week press conference next week. Um, so have a good have a good rest of your week, everybody, and uh, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. For drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.